0: And learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 216 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. We'll get into the episode right after a word from our sponsors. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is high blood pressure education month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the pressure wants to help black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During high blood pressure education month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 black women putting their hearts first, and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. For the first time in a while, I have quite a bit of fun travel coming up this summer, and I'm really counting on Macy's to help round out my wardrobe for some of these trips. Right now, I've got my eye on a new bag and sandals from Coach and some super cute tops and dresses from Macy's On 34th brand. And you can never really have too many pairs of sunglasses. And there are a lot of cute options to explore right now. If you need a little help getting your summer look together, shop at macy's.com ownyourstyle. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org ourblood to make an appointment now. Buying your first car can make you feel like a superstar as it's a big purchase, but it can take time to get there. In session 210, we talk with Dr. Diane Stewart about the principles and themes that underlie many African traditional religions, and we promised you a part two of that conversation to learn more about the practice of these religions. To help us dig into this topic, today I'm excited that we're joined by Ahime Ora. Ahime is a Nigerian wordsmith and priestess of the Ifa and Orisha tradition. She is grounded in her purpose of reconnecting others back to themselves as an educator of African spirituality and holistic wellness. Ahime and I chatted about her personal journey to being a priestess. Where to start if you're a beginner in these practices? How technology and social media have made it easier to teach others about these traditions? and how practicing African traditional religions can work in tandem with Christianity, Islam, and other faith practices. If there's something that resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBG Here's our conversation. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Ahime.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm a huge
0: fan. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Likewise. I wonder if you can start by just telling us a little bit more about who you are and how mm-hmm. you got started in your practice. Mm-hmm.
1: So my name is Ahime Ora, also known as Ia Ifa Wole Shangodosu Dosu Punto Adeola. Long name, right? <laughs> I'm an Ifa Narisha priestess. I'm initiated into the societies of Ifa, Shango, and Nurenele. I am Nigerian. I was born in Nigeria in the Ibadan city. I immigrated to a small little town in Florida when I was around four years old. Even though I was disconnected from like my roots and my traditions, my mother was really the one responsible for keeping things alive for me. She would be the one telling me stories of our ancestors. She would be always the one telling me about Shango before who I even knew Shango was. I wasn't even privy to that. Like at a school night, she would always tell amazing stories. And, you know, Nigerian moms are very dramatic. So she would always <laughs> be in the movement and the, you know, the voice raise. And i just be sitting there like, oh, my God, it's so amazing. So... Through her and through her being very deliberate and connecting me with our ancestors as we are kind of forced to assimilate as immigrants, I've been able to keep that connection as I grew into my spirituality organically. As I found my elders, as I was able to reach back, it was really through the help of my mother doing what she could, you know? So. Mm-hmm. That's Mm -hmm. definitely the foundational part for me in my practice.
0: Yeah. So when you say that your mother kind of kept those traditions alive through storytelling, Mm -hmm. were there like practices or spiritual practices that you grew up with kind of in your home or did you kind of discover that Mm -hmm. later in life?
1: So my mother is always very connected to her tradition, her group. Her ethnic group that we come from, the Delta River, very durable people. And she would always, especially when it comes to like liquor, my mom would always have liquor in her house because liquor to her was attached to wealth and abundance. And even the way that we would offer liquor in our household is something that is traditionally rooted to our ancestors. Like the youngest person would take the liquor and they would pass it around the party and the youngest person would be giving the liquor to the elder, and then they would pour some out for the ancestors, which is what you know the diaspora does too—pouring one out for the homies and everything. So mm-hmm. that connection there is definitely what I kind of grew up in. My mother, she wasn't spiritually blind, but she also was very aware of, you know, you are already black. Then you're an immigrant. So also practicing indigenous spirituality will make you more targeted than anything else. Mm-hmm. So she definitely adopted Christianity and she definitely grew us in a Christian home because to her, being Christian in this new land that we're all foreign to meant to be able to survive, you know. Mm-hmm. So her ability to connect us through storytelling was her one way of being able to fight back against having to assimilate, against having to be in this oppressed state while raising us, me and my brothers.
0: Mm, got it. So mm. this was something that only as you got older did you mm-hmm. recognize, like, wow, this storytelling exactly. is connected to something much bigger.
1: Mm-hmm. It was really the connection because my mom has a very strong voice. And she would always say when I was a child, I didn't really understand that if, uh, like she would always say, if I use my words to curse you, the ancestors will hear it. And only until as I got older did I realize, mm-hmm. oh, my mama is saying so many things at once with that one statement, you know.
0: <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about the differences between what we describe as like spiritual practice versus mm-hmm. maybe an organized kind of a religion?
1: Mm-hmm. So. I think it's very easy to say that Ifa is a spiritual tradition, which it is. That is kind of true. It is spirituality. But Ifa and the Orisha tradition is specified on culture. And it's specified on organized hierarchical religious practice. And I say this because we have things like the Arag Bagbaye within the Ifa and Orisha tradition, which is the head priest of Ifa on earth. And below him are 16 chiefs. So you have these hierarchical practice already happening within the Ifa tradition as a whole to keep things going and to keep things more organized and disciplined. And below these people, you have you know certain chiefs or certain Arabas in their own villages and their own tribal groups. So these things are kind of divided in order to keep things in order. Because when you have things like just, you know, referencing New Age spirituality, you get things to be, you know, in a way watered down. Uh, New Age spirituality, although is a very, it's a platform, it's a place where a lot of people, especially Black people, are able to connect to something outside of Christianity. New Age spirituality also holds in almost simplifying traditional practices, traditional roots, traditional spirituality of Indigenous cultures. And it kind of creates... A lot of misinformation. And when you're being misinformed of things that are connected to something as massive as the Risha practice, you become very vulnerable, you know, mm-hmm. to people who are not practicing the tradition with integrity or even to certain things that you're not supposed to be doing, you know, because of the lack of hierarchy. The Ifa and the Risha tradition is something that is very much connected to eldership and mentorship. You would be surrounded by your elders in the compound, helping them, being able to understand the religion and being able to understand all the philosophy and the culture in it. Because you're around it. Does that make sense? Mm, so it mm-hmm. definitely is like a an apprenticeship that's happening. And why the Ifa and Norisha tradition is able to survive while still being an oral religion. It's an oral religious practice. There are no books, you know what I'm saying? There are no mm. books that are going to really be able to tell you the full potency of Ifa. And this is something that it kind of takes me back to... This book called Socrates and Rimula by Sophia Luole I believe. And she was um, a Nigerian philosopher and she was so smart. Her books are so incredible. They open you to a different way of philosophy in a, con- in a continental sense, right? And in that book, she was saying, what's the difference between Socrates and Rimula? Because those two didn't write anything. Yet Socrates is considered to be the champion of philosophy. while well, you know, in Rumla, he is the holder of the Ifa oracle, which is philosophy and wisdom. So mm-hmm. two, they are two fathers of wisdom, yet one is seen as more credible when it talks to, you know, oral culture or oral wisdom. Right. That makes sense, you know. So it's mm-hmm. a really interesting book, and
0: I definitely recommend that okay okay thank you for that so you know i think you know we had a conversation with dr stewart recently on Mm -hmm. the podcast more about like the theory behind Mm -hmm. some of the african traditional religions Mm -hmm. and it is something that a lot of people are interested in and it sounds like you know you kind of got some of this you know kind of through your mother Mm -hmm. and kind of growing up with that storytelling but i think a lot of people just feel really confused as to where to start how do Mm -hmm. i know you know like which traditions feel the like the best alignment for me so can Can you give some tips for people who like maybe you figuring out like, okay, I want to maybe start learning more about this, but do I know if it's Ifa or Risha or something else? Like where do people get started?
1: Um, I always recommend that people get started back to their roots, where they come from. Ancestral veneration is the foundation of all diasporic and continental spiritual practices. Without your ancestors, you're not going to be able to have the foundation needed to be able to work with other spirits. You'll be even more in a vulnerable position because you don't even know if your ancestors want you to practice these certain things, if these things mm-hmm. are even aligned with your destiny, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, as an EFA Narisha priest, there's so many people who come across me who I can tell that their ancestors don't want them to pass Ifa Narisha, but using platforms or using, you know, the connection with African spirituality, it's being able to guide them into, oh, okay, maybe hoodoo would be beneficial for you or Haitian hey, Voodoo, and things like that. But that's how you're going to be able to really be able to understand is through ancestral veneration and working back with your ancestors, the altar space, which is really the foundational connection between you and your ancestors in a physical space residing in your home. So they're able to protect you and your space and to be able to grow with you. And it doesn't need to be the most extra dramatic thing starting out. A Simple candle, simple water, you know, a nice little white blanket. That's it. That's all you really need to do to start to grow your connection with your ancestors and being able to understand that your ancestors are not going to be communicating in the same way as somebody else. Maybe other people can hear or see them, but maybe you can have all of these intense dreams with them. You are in the dream world and you're connecting with them in that way. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they're showing you symbols. Maybe the bird that you see outside is them. There are ways that you're going to be able to be like, those are my people. You know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. it's going to be a unique and it's going to be even the most refreshing thing because the ancestors go with you wherever you go. So, even if they don't want you to go with E5, like if you attend to walk in there, that they can't just be like, okay, we're disconnected now. You know what I'm saying? So, it's mm-hmm. so important to be in a group effort, to be able to be like, okay, this is what benefits all of us. So, you can see their work happening to you in real time, you know?
0: Mm hmm. So you mentioned that ancestral veneration is kind of like the basics, right? So that is building your altar. Definitely the backbone. Mm -hmm. You've already given us some like very basic tips, you know, like a little table, a white Mm -hmm. tablecloth, white towel, a candle. You mentioned something else, water.
1: A cup of of water. Water is acting like a bridge between the spiritual world. So Mm -hmm. it's going to really act as a purifier. So it's not necessarily like a drink offering. You can get the water if you want to, but the water is gonna be like a telephone line, making things as clear as possible for you to the other side. So when the fire is representing passion, the heart, the strength, being able to have your ancestors see you, hear you, feel you in a way where it's heavy, it kind of gives them almost like, yeah, like the heart the fire, the spark for the altar space. And the white is just giving cleanliness, purity. It connects us to, you know, for an example, Batala, who's Yerisha of white cloth, being able to have spiritual tranquility, serenity, and being able to not feel so absorbed by a lot of the spiritual heaviness that's happening, because the altar space is going to be spiritually active when you're working with your ancestors. So starting out with something white and cloth would definitely be beneficial for the beginner.
0: hmm And I always recommend
1: like some earth as well, you know, to keep things grounded into the earthly plane, which is like flowers or crystals or stones or anything that connects you to Mother Earth.
0: Okay. And so the purpose of setting up this altar in your home is Mm -hmm. really kind of just like opening this pathway to your ancestors so that there can be an an establishing of that relationship so that they do come to you either in dreams or messages or symbols or, you know, it's kind Mm -hmm. of like letting the ancestors know I'm open to this.
1: And to me, the altar space really is just a physical place where you're able to connect, like a communication spot between you and Mm. your ancestors, because Mm -hmm. they are already within you. And Mm -hmm. Ifa, Ifa tells us that the ancestors reside in our body and particularly our feet specifically the left toe of the foot. You know what I'm saying? So being able, wherever you walk, you are walking with your ancestors. You know what I'm saying? So it's definitely a literal thing when we say the ancestors walk with us. But the altar space is just a good Physical communication spot between you and your people where you can be able to greet them in the morning and being able to say, This is the intentional place where I lay offerings, where I do prayer, but I'm also Mm -hmm. going to acknowledge you outside of that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it it should be less of a super focus on the altar space and more so about creating intentional time with your people.
0: You know what I'm saying? Got it. And the altar Mm -hmm. is just a reminder of that. Exactly. Definitely. Got it. Thank you for that. More from my conversation with Ahime after the break. Hey, ladies, it's Dr. Joy here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It's crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or our community, your health is invaluable. Let's help to get our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head over to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us, and let's take care of our hearts together. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Forum is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity. That it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements. And to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now online and in-store. Some of my favorites are the jewelry from Hey Maeve, and the skincare products from Kaja. For the entire month of May, join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. You can show your support by donating online or by rounding up in store to benefit APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Join me by rounding up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support API Scholars, an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Growing up, watching media legends like Gwen Eiffel and Robin Roberts always gave me the security that stories that matter to me would be told. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. You may be aware that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct, positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org ourblood to make an appointment now. So you've already mentioned that, you know, there are no real books that people mm-hmm. like that. The, the tradition is more oral. Right. And so mm-hmm. but it feels like a lot of people are now getting this information through social media. Right. Like yes. you use your platform to share more mm-hmm. in the interest of educating people. You know, we see people on TikTok and on Instagram kind of sharing these different things. And I would imagine that there are some benefits to Mm -hmm. the information being shared there, but I would also Mm -hmm. imagine there are some limitations, right? So can you talk a little bit about both the benefits and the limitations to people kind of learning about this information through social media?
1: Yeah, so I think the benefits is being able to demystify the tradition, being able to be like, okay, this is something that is actually still being practiced now, because, you know, If you go into museums, you'll see Ifa, Norisha, like spiritual tools inside the museums, almost making it feel ancient, almost making it feel like tradition has left us, you know what I'm saying? But no, people are still venerating the Orishas, even on the continent to this day. People are still having festivals, venerating the Orishas till this day. It's still very active, still very alive, you know? And... Because Ifa to me is like this sentient living being that understands the cosmos and understands the world because that's what Ifa is. It represents being able to see and recognize the wisdom of the entire universe within this algorithm code, which is very mathematical. Mm. But Ifa being able to be so aware, it knows that the next move is going to be on the Internet. I always make this joke with my friends, my Efa friends, to be like, "Oh, Efa is on Wi-Fi now because Efa <laughs> understands," you know, like the original is on Wi-Fi now, because the way that it's going to see, like, okay, people are wanting answers, especially yeah. during the pandemic, especially when we were initially in the pandemic last year, and everyone was just like, "So what now?" And mm-hmm. people had the space and the ability to be like, you know what. My faith is changing, what I'm believing is changing and I'm looking for information to connect me back to myself. And then Ifa pops up like, okay, so let's go on the internet now. Let's educate the people in this way. Ifa is traditional, but what I also want people to understand is traditional doesn't always mean stagnant in time. It can Mm -hmm. be updating, it can flow, it can be adjusted especially by the people who are holding the tradition. You know. That they are going to be the people responsible in updating things and making things more accommodating for everyone because what UF doesn't like us to do is to be so box preachers and trying to convert people into the Ifa and Risha tradition. In the Odu, it says, to not convert. You don't need to convert anyone to Ifa. You just need to talk about Ifa. Orisha always says, as much as you talk about Ifa, the Orisha will bless you because you're talking about them. You're bragging on them. Very Nigerian thing to, you know, okay, <laughs> be a little bit arrogant with the Orisha, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but, right. And it's just so fun to me to talk about it because... Though Ifa and Orisha is something that's outside of their own culture, what they grew up in, and to be able to think differently. Because Ifa tradition relies on self-actualization, the ability to change yourself. Ifa relies on self-accountability. In order for you can, to, to see blessings in your life, you must change. The most important sacrifice that you can give is your character. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter how many you know offerings you lay to the Arisha, if your own behavior does not alter, it's going to be hard for you to see new beginnings, to see change happening in your life. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. being able to have that accountability, being able to be like, OK, maybe I'm the problem here and changing that is what I love the most about IFA because you really cannot blame anybody but yourself. That's why the most powerful Orisha is the Ori, which is your higher self living within your head. It is the most powerful Orisha being able to overpower them, all of them combined, you know. So if your own Ori does not want you to do something, it's going to be hard for you to accomplish those tasks. So like they always say, before you go to the Orisha, you must always go to your own Ori first. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The creator gave you your Ori to be God on earth to be able to go to things and make you feel good that resonate with your spirit, which is why not everyone needs to practice the Ifa and Marisha tradition because they already have their own ori and their own ori can be enough, you know? Got it. Got it. I guess the key facts of sharing online is it doesn't always reach the right people. Not everyone wants to learn, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. we are still battling even in tradition and being able to pull away, you know, ourselves from people who, you know, have Christian background saying that we're demonic or that we are venerating things that are demons or the devil, etc. Right. Like even the most dynamic Orisha in the Ifa tradition called Eshu. Eshu is the messenger between two worlds. He is probably one of the most important Orishas, and his name translates to the devil because of missionaries and their Christianic influence and their colonialism over Nigeria so there are priests in the continent trying to rip away this Orishas tie to, you know and the demonic influences but I just feel like that's the hugest thing, that's the most biggest thing, is being able to be like Being able to tell people that things that they don't understand, you don't need to connect that to something evil. You don't need to connect that to something demonic. Education is the most important thing. Being able to be educated, being able to understand someone before you say something, you know, before you Mm -hmm. even curse what your ancestors came from. You know, our ancestors traditionally weren't practicing. You know, Christianity or Islam they're practicing their traditional beliefs and being able to hold space for that especially the people that come from that is I think most important thing having integrity
0: there you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect kind of segue to my mm-hmm. next question which is do you think that the practice of you know more African traditional religions can coexist with someone also mm-hmm. practicing like Christianity or Islam?
1: Yes, definitely. Because there's a difference between, you know, doing Ifa and the work and being initiate in those traditions. There's many Odu's, many verses within Ifa about how the king who practiced Islam will go to the priest and get work done. You know what I'm saying? Those mm-hmm. things can coexist simultaneously if people allow them to coexist simultaneously. You know what I'm saying? Like the mm-hmm. it's the word of Ifa does not go against Christianity or Islam in any means. It's people, you know, that decide whether they want to be against something or not. So even like the divination of the year that was conducted for the entire world in 2020 said that it's very important for everyone to live in harmony with their religion and to not discriminate
0: against people who are of different religious
1: backgrounds, you
0: know? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me more about the distinction between doing the Mm -hmm. work you said of Mm -hmm. Ifa Arisha and being initiated? What what does that mean? So,
1: when I say ifa and work, I mean like, let's say you are seeking a divination from a priest. So you'll go to the priest's house, you'll sit on the priest's floor and the priest will do ikin ifa, you'll do dafa, ifa divination for you. And What the priest tells you, like, oh, you need to do ebo, which is sacrifice. We need to sacrifice certain things, which can be certain, you know, animals, or it can be certain character, behavior traits, or it could be warning you of something. That is doing ifa narration work because you're taking the prescriptions. That's what's being given to you. Ifa is like, it's like going to the doctor. It's going to be literally a medical doctor because that's what a priest is, being able to see your spiritual health and how to give you good health. You know what I'm saying? Good health in your money, in your love life, in your achievements, in your destiny to keep you aligned. But he's also going to offer you medication, which is your prescriptions, what you should be doing. Maybe you should change your behavior. Maybe you should not be drinking liquor for the next 16 days. Maybe you should do sacrifice for with all this, you know, animal materials to give you good health on your path. That's spiritual work. That's ephah work. Anyone can do ephah work. But to become the priest that tells what the client is doing, that's what an initiate is going to be doing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The one that is actually doing the work. That's, you know, studying under the elder. That's learning all the philosophy is going to be the initiate.
0: Got it. OK. Mm-hmm. And so what do you see people who are like new in the practice of some of this work? Like what are mm-hmm. the common things that you kind of see come up for people when they are new kind of practicing this work? I think
1: the most common thing that I get from people who are interested in the work is which Risha guards my head? I get that question a lot. And it's there. very interesting for me personally. I to give the most thorough response to that question because it's not just a simple yes or no or simple small question to me because it's a whole lifestyle change really because when you ask me when the Orisha guards your head what I'm going to tell you is all of them guard your head because the Orisha the purpose of the Orisha is to assist humanity so they're all going to be working in your life in individual ways because that's what their role is on this earth and It's less about the concept of being a child of Arisha and more so about what are you going to do with with that information, you know, because it doesn't really help you to know that answer without saying that you want to be a devotee or to be an initiate, because that's the only way you're going to be able to use and utilize that wisdom. A priest, an elder, once told me that, the you know, yes, you can find the Orisha's nature, but to understand the wisdom and how the Orisha works is going to be within their priest. Because when a initiate gets initiated into the Orisha, they become that Orisha on earth. They hold all the wisdom and the philosophies of the Orisha within their body. So it's more so more serious to me, I guess, when we want to know that, because it's nothing like astrology or being able to Mm -hmm. be like my sun is in Taurus or my moon is in Aquarius, for example. It's more Mm -hmm. so like it's a religious thing, you know? It's a very serious thing. It's also very more abstract because on the continent, you can be connected to Norisha because of your lineage or because of the work that you do. Like Maybe you are a blacksmith, so you're going to get initiated into a Ogum, you know what I'm saying? To help you with that work. So it definitely is more of a larger answer than what people are kind of expecting, which is something simple, like to even find out, you know, the Orisha that is aligned with your destiny, that is connected to you, that um, rose up when you're going to be incarnated on earth is going to be through rites, like true initiation rites, things that kind of devote you to the tradition. Because if you get it from like divination, divination is highlighting your energy at this moment which Arisha is assisting you at this moment. It's not something that is always current or stuck in time. That can change at any moment. But when you do right, then you're getting to something that's a little bit more permanent. Does that make sense? Like that's mm-hmm. something that when I received my hand of Ifa, which is like a step down from initiation, it picked up on Shango. And it was Shango who was with me this entire time, even though I had many divinations that said different Arishas throughout my journey where I got that devoted connection with Ifa. You know what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. More from my conversation with Ahime after the break. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It's crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives. For a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Forum is the opposite. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, and Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now online and in-store. Some of my favorites are the jewelry from Hey Maeve and the skincare products from Kaja. For the entire month of May, join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. You can show your support by donating online, or by rounding up in store to benefit APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Join me by rounding up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support API scholars, an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com, are in store many people feel anxious when they think about finances it can feel overwhelming stressful and even hopeless especially when you're first starting out and don't know what to do but when you have a solid financial plan in place this anxiety turns into confidence you can regain a sense of control over your life and improve your self-esteem how do you build financial confidence Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. You may be aware that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash blood to make an appointment now. So, I'm wondering, you know, just like we have seen more information about, you know, people sharing this kind of stuff on social media, we've also seen, I think, an increase in like people sharing about African traditional religions in pop culture. So, you know, one of the biggest ones I think was probably Beyonce and Lemonade, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm just wondering your thoughts about like sharing that in pop culture. Do you feel like that helps to kind of promote the messages or do you feel like that's a hindrance?
1: I feel like orishas are very smart. <laughs> they do what they think is going to be best for people to talk about them because they like when people talk about them. Mm-hmm. And Oshun definitely enjoys when people talk about her. <laughs> so she's like, yes, of course. Yes, lemonade, Beyonce, me, you know. She loves that. And I feel like you cannot, especially, you know, being in the, in the tradition, you cannot curse how somebody finds Ifa. That's not my mm-hmm. job. I'm not going to demonize or even hold up my nose the way that you found Elisha because the way that you found Elisha is unique and sacred to your own destiny and mm. people should hold space for those who are exploring the Elisha tradition because of Beyonce because you know Beyonce did what she had to do she's doing her purpose <laughs> you know what I'm saying and right. you have the purpose of you know being initiated this year, to be kind to have Iwapele, which is good character. To be able to be like, okay, let me tell you what the truth is with this tradition, because now you're interested, you know, rather mm. than turning people away. Just That's mm-hmm. just my opinion anyway, you know?
0: <laughs> so, may do you see more African traditional religions as a safe space or kind of like a safe haven for people in the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. who may have felt isolated or ostracized by mm-hmm. Christian communities or mm-hmm. other kind of faith practices?
1: Yes. So I feel like, yes, there's so much space open for people who are like me, who are queer and trying to find community. And it just boils down to the elders and what they, individual people, what they want to twist IFA into. Uh, IFA, there are no Odus in IFA that I know of that speak ill of people who are queer. There are so many Orishas I know of who are queer, who are and our definition of queer, who are not aligned within gender identities, like Olokun or minle, Rinlei the Orisha that I'm initiated into, there is different versions and different stories where wherever you go, they will be a different gender. You know what I'm saying? And that in of itself is queer to me. Shango my was known for being a drugness looking, to be able to be so beautiful that he kind of looked like a woman, that he would uh, do his hairstyles in a way where it was deemed for women that he would put on, that he would paint his face, that he would cross dress before he goes into battle. These are like these little implications to know that the Orisha sees everybody. Yerisha accepts everybody because it was Yerisha that created everyone. You know what I'm saying? Very carefully and very selectively. And before we are born, we go through this process called ori selection, where we are picking out our destiny, where we are picking out who we want to be on earth. And it's a heavy, heavy thing, a heavy process between the orisha, yourself, and the creator, who are all working on your ori to make sure you become who you want to be on earth. You're not going to be queer by mistake. You're going to be, mm-hmm. be clear by purpose because your existence can help somebody and it can also help elevate and move forward the world's sole mission, which is to create peace and mutual reciprocity with everybody. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it really is an intentional thing for people to be open, especially elders, to be open to everybody, because that is what the IFA and Marisha tradition is about.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. And you told the story earlier about, you know, how your mom kind of taught you and your siblings, mm-hmm. you know, more Christian practices as a way to kind of mm-hmm. try to keep you safe. Right. Like, oh, if, mm-hmm. if we talk about these kinds of things, you'll be even more ostracized. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you have ideas about like how we can talk to elders in mm-hmm. our own families who may be, you know, concerned if we are learning more about this or starting to practice more of these things. What kinds of conversations might we be able to have with them?
1: Bring up the stuff that they already do that is spiritual work that they don't want to talk about. Like, mama, why do you why do you never put your purse on the ground, Mama? Why do you always cooking this food on New Year's Day? What's why don't you why don't you want to let my broom hit your feet? You know what I'm saying? Because uh-huh. those are the stuff. You know when we can say you are already doing something spiritual, so let mm. me do something spiritual with intention you know, Mm, being able mm -hmm. to be like, this is what your life is walking. And this is what I'm going to do with my life. (laughs) And you just got to have to understand. And even the most beautiful thing with ancestral veneration is it will heal family ties, family wounds. It will make things easier. It will make conversations easier, especially when you tell your ancestors, like, I want to be honest with my family about to do. I don't want to have to clean up the altar when they come over or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And your ancestors will literally create space for your mom to see your altar space and be like, oh, what's that? Without freaking out or wanting to understand or even telling you stories of her own people, of her own grandparents that you can add to your own little, you know, I always recommend having people like a little journal of just stories of their ancestors to keep with them, Mm. a little family tree. It's really beneficial, Mm -hmm. especially so you can know which ancestor to call when you need something. But to have that and see how your own parents, how your own elders would be helping building your own ancestral veneration practice because- what Ifa tells us is, is our grandparents are literally our connection to our ancestors. They are our first ancestors. Our parents are our first Orisha. And to be able to understand how meaningful that is and how important that is on both ends, how the parents, the elders, should be understanding to have that title, to have that position in someone's life, which means you need to have that position with integrity. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you're not able to abuse that position. It's something what Ifa says, how you should never go far away from your family, but your family should never push you there to begin with, you know, a mm-hmm. mutual reciprocity practice. In order for me to treat you like the elder, you must first show me that you are the elder that I need to that i can treat you like that
0: with you know yeah Mm -hmm. so you've already given us the you know the kind of basics of building an Mm -hmm. altar you just mentioned like a journaling kind of exercise right like a family journal of stories Mm -hmm. of family members are there other things that you feel like beginners might Mm -hmm. be it might be helpful for them to know about kind of learning more about this practice
1: Oh, yes. So food, offerings, offerings are amazing and offerings don't need to be so extra. I know when we talk about food offerings, we can feel like we need to cook like a four course meal with desserts, everything. And I don't recommend doing that all the time. Like maybe you can do that for a new year's day or for a particular ancestor's birthday, but you can keep things basic. What the food offering represents, what offering represents period is an energy transference because you're giving them energy so they can have the energy to provide you with whatever you need. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If they do not have the energy, it's going to be hard for them to give you things, to help you with things, to assist you with things, to even protect you. So you are providing an energy transfer. When you're saying, this is your cigar, this is your liquor, this is your flowers, and I'm giving you with prayer. Prayer is the most important thing because now you are empowering that object in which you are offering Prayer is understanding that you are connected to the creator, connected to the universe, and your words have the ashe, the power to make anything happen in this world. So when we take prayer and we attach that to offering, which is the energy transfer, now you are empowering your lineage and giving them the energy they need to create change in your life which is the most beautiful thing in my opinion. So an offering, don't ever move away from offering. You should always be laying offering because offerings can help you. And I've seen how offerings with my own two eyes has cleared away so much things from my life. And I will always have testimony for offering every day.
0: (laughs) You should be giving an offering or making an offering every day.
1: I would recommend making an offering at least once a week to give them energy for Mm -hmm. me i do lay offerings every day i lay offerings whenever whatever food i'm laying i will have give some of them to my ancestors so Mm -hmm. they are getting empowered while i'm also not forgetting that because you know i also have adhd as well diagnosed so it can be very hard being neurodiverse and keeping up with those things so finding Mm -hmm. out a schedule that works with you is
0: what i recommend the most got it got it any other tips for beginners
1: Keeping the altar clean is very important, making sure that you are not having any mold on the altar, that the water stays clear, that there's no incest ash on the altar space, because this helps you with, you know, just a clear mind, but also clear communication as well. So you're avoiding spirits of confusion, because a lot of things like to live in a messy place. Negative energy likes to live in a messy place, and negative energy and tricks spirits it can be very common when you're keeping things in a cluttered space. So not only keeping your altar clean, but also keeping
0: your surrounding energy to your altar clean as well. Hmm. Thank you for that. So mm-hmm. any other resources that you find yourself suggesting for people who want to learn more or mm-hmm. kind of dive a little deeper into this topic, are there things that you suggest for our audience? I definitely recommend social media because there's a lot of people out there who know
1: what they're talking about. And I would love to shout them out a little bit if I can. Please, absolutely. Um, yeah, of course. So like a little Juju. She is an awesome person. She has a little Juju podcast. Where she talks a little bit more deep about ancestral veneration. So many people like myself and Ia Dereja. She has a Patreon. where She talks about Ifa and the Eastern tradition in addition to myself. Well, there's so many people. Yeah, Ifa Yomi on Twitter. She also speaks a little bit about Ifa narration, Iyirisha tradition, and the herbalist side of the tradition as well. And there's so many, you know, a lot of people in that kind of spider web who would be really good people. If you're looking just for community space, the people that you trust, who have you kind of move with integrity to start your path down this little rabbit hole because once you get one information you are like now I want to know everything and we got you with that okay right I
0: love it so tell us where we can find you please share your website as well as any social media handles you'd like to share
1: of course. So you can find me at ahimeora.com and on Instagram and Twitter under the same handle ahimeora. I also have a Patreon, which you can find me at patreon.com forward slash ahimeora, which I speak about Ifa and Arisha, Ancestral Veneration and General Holistic Wellness.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today, Ahime. I really thank appreciate it. Thank you so
1: much. It. I really appreciate you for having me. It was so awesome. Thank you.
0: I'm so glad that May was able to share her expertise with us today. To learn more about her and her work or to check out the resources that she shared, visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com session 216. And don't forget to text two of your girls right now and tell them to check out the episode as well. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, be sure to check out our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. And if you want to continue digging into this topic or just be in community with other sisters, come on over and join us in the Sister Circle. It's our cozy corner of the internet designed just for black women. You can join us at community.therapyforblackgirls.com. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Hey, ladies. or a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete
1: control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you.
0: Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Forum believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Forum is there. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. Sumo Play.